Welcome to the latest podcast from the Recruitment and Employment Confederation. We're bringing you the latest updates and insights from the world of recruitment to help you navigate these challenging times. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the latest edition of the REC's Talking Recruitment podcast. My name is Neil Carberry, the REC Chief Executive. I'm delighted to have you along to join us again as we discuss some of the issues the sector is facing as we navigate our way out of lockdown and uh, find a path back to growth. It's been another busy week at uh, REC Towers as measured by a couple of big appearances in the tabloids last week and five different broadcast interviews speaking up for the industry across the uh, across the UK media as we continue to talk to government about the right way to navigate uh, the economy back and getting recruitment really at the top table of thinking about economic policy making. Um, one of the issues last week, apart from uh, COVID and COVID support, was immigration. You might have seen uh, the announcement of the new immigration system to come in on the 1st of January. There's some really big delivery challenges there that the REC team, REC team is working on. Uh, look out for an updated version of the REC Fragment Guide uh, coming, uh, coming over the next few months once we get across everything that is in train for at uh, the beginning of January, I know that it's a concern to many recruiters having data well ahead of time for that big change as the UK exits the Brexit transition period. Lots going on in the labour market, of course, and we'll talk about uh, uh, that with our guests today. But uh, just to uh, make you aware, the REC's Jobs Recovery Tracker, our scrape of thousands of jobs boards, was published on Friday. That showed uh, live vacancies in the UK rising above a million for the first time since uh, the lockdown uh, started. That's a sign of a gentle recovery in the uh, in hiring going on as sectors come back, but also a particularly strong sectoral trend on things like web design, where, as you'd expect, more commercial and digital uh, is seeing some higher demand there. For the longer term, we've got the REC's Jobs Outlook coming out on the 24th of July, and that'll give us another update on the outlook from the point of view of the client side, thinking about both the path of the UK economy and confidence to hire. So look out for that. Finally, I'd like to invite you along to the REC's annual conference, REC. Uh, delighted to host our first digital conference, REC 2020, on the uh, 8th of September. Some fantastic speakers from across the industry, HR uh, and uh, wider business as, uh, for you. Uh, lots and lots of high quality uh, insight from uh, CBI Director General Carolyn Fairburn in one of our last uh, speeches in that role, thinking about how the crisis has affected um, uh, the British economy and British business, through to uh, Bev White, the Chief Executive of Harvey Nash, who's also been at GI Group, of course, in the past, one of the most experienced leaders in our sector in the UK, thinking about how we uh, move forward from here to uh, a fantastic speaker, uh, uh, uh from Australia, Gus Balbontine. Some of you might have come across him, a great speaker, thinking about how we challenge ourselves as individuals and as, uh, and as leaders and as, uh, as companies to change to meet the challenge that we face in recovering from the uh, coronavirus crisis. And today's podcast really does look at uh, what that path of recovery is like. But we take a slightly uh, a higher level view than uh, just looking at the UK today. We look across Europe and to a certain extent around the world 
at uh, what's going on in the market. And I'm delighted to be joined by two fantastic uh, guests. First of all, Bettina Schaller, who's the Global Head of Public Affairs at ADECO, but also President of the World Employment Confederation Europe. Bettina, uh, hello and thank you for joining us. Hello, Neil, and thank you so much for having me. Absolutely delighted to be on. And secondly, John Nerthen, who uh, some of you might know as Executive Director for Global Research at uh, Staffing Industry Analyst. John, thank you for joining us. Yeah, well, thank you for the invite. Good to be here. Well, John, why don't we, we start with you? SI are well known to many of our listeners as producers of uh, data uh, from, uh, from markets around the world. And we're particularly focusing on the group of markets that we see in Europe today, uh, where, well, uh, countries that are at different stages, the general trend is beginning to open up after quite a, quite a deep lockdown. What are you seeing as trends across Europe in terms of uh, uh, the impact of coronavirus on the sector and how it's starting to unlock? Yeah, so, I mean, there are slightly different patterns um, across different countries, but um, we had to do a forecast uh, for 2020 um, as the lockdown started. So we actually came up with three different scenarios. The first being that there would be a V-shaped re- recovery. Um, so we, we drop down quickly, then we bounce out of it very quickly. Then the other option was a, a U-shaped recovery, um, sort of a little bit slower going down, longer at the bottom, uh, and then slower coming back. And then the the W shape, which nobody particularly wants, which is, uh, of course, um, a recurrence of the virus at the end of this year and potentially further lockdowns. And what we've seen since we've made those forecasts is actually the one that looks closest to being accurate is the V. Um, So, of of course, we did go down very quickly, almost within a week. Um, There was a a strong collapse in in demand across uh, the whole staffing sector. Um, and that has bounced back uh, pretty quickly. Uh, the, the normal recession, for those of you who've lived through more than one of these, is sort of three months going down, three months uh, of misery at the bottom, and then three months coming out. Sorry, three quarters going down, three quarters at the bottom, and three quarters coming up. Um, and this has been much, much quicker. Um, but what we're not expecting is that we get to the top of that V anytime soon. So rather than a V or a U, what we're seeing is almost like a swoosh effect where um, we've come out of it with a, a little bit of a V, but then we're drifting drifting sideways. And that's, again, going to be different from market to market, um, depending on the strength of their economy and how well they deal with the economic challenges, uh, let alone the, uh, the virus challenges. But, but, but I think it's important as well, Neil, to recognise that before all this started, European staffing markets were pretty weak. Um, the UK was actually not too bad, maybe low single-digit growth. Um, but markets like Germany uh, were very poor. Um, and so, you know, whether or not we once we get through this crisis, it means that we've sort of cleared out all that negative stuff or whether or not it means it ends up being longer to recover. That's still a little bit uncertain. That's interesting, John. And uh, you're amongst friends when we talk about the swoosh view of the uh, of the recovery here. Um, uh, my uh, friend and colleague, Ray Newton-Smith, the CBI's chief economist, joined the pod well, a couple of months ago now. And that's when we first started talking about the Nike swoosh approach to the 
to the re recovery. And I think there's a lot to be said for understanding the very different um, circumstances which brought this recession about. As in most recessions, you talk about three quarters going in. That's three quarters of businesses getting a little bit cagey uh, and investing less and consumers getting cagey and spending less, which very gradually adds up to a recession. Uh, whereas here, of course, what we had was a massive switch off of economic activity directed by government, uh, not on the demand side, but on the supply side. So some form of snapback, I think we'd, we'd all predict. Uh, I, I suspect the, the answer, the, the big question is how far? Uh, because if you look at the UK, for instance, uh, peak to trough, we'd hope that, that if we take the ONS figures as uh, accurate, we're talking about 25% of the economy. Uh, even if that snaps back 15%, you're still left with quite a substantial recession. If it snaps back 20% or 20, 22%, then suddenly this feels much more uh, positive in Q3, Q4. Uh, Bettina, uh, how does that um, that picture resonate with what you're seeing from uh, World Employment Confederation uh, members across Europe and, and of course, what you're uh, hearing internally at ECHO. Well, indeed, Neil. I mean, everything uh, that was said around swoosh and, and just the unprecedented nature of um, of what is happening here, the complete stillstand that we're seeing, um, you know, we're the first ones to, to have seen this across the private employment uh, services uh, industry. Um, John mentioned it. The picture needs to be looked at in a little bit of a differentiated way uh, across Europe, for instance, and obviously actually at country level uh, across certain sectors as well. But if, if we want to generalize um, the picture, you know, it's not looking like um, uh, obviously a quick recovery is on the line. And actually, um, if we think about the fact that uh, we're in summer now and, and the importance of, um, of consumption and the importance uh, for certain sectors of what the summer means, um, the picture uh, is not looking, you know, or that doesn't help the picture either, whether it's um, Italy, whether it's France, whether it's Spain. Those are those countries that have been hit most uh, in our sector and in general in their economies by this crisis. And those are notably the big economies across Europe um, that rely heavily on, on tourism as well. But now, uh, independently of that, um, I must say that the numbers we're seeing just in terms of overall job vacancies, well, still obviously far, far, far from anywhere we'd like to see them. Numbers of placements, same thing, num numbers of interviews. Um, so the picture is really bleak. Having said that, what is, of course, interesting is that um, in some countries, the actual rates of unemployment have not plummeted yet to the extent that uh, you would have thought. Um, and that, of course, has to do with uh, the measures uh, such as short-time work that have been introduced by an unprecedented amount of, uh, of economies across Europe and actually in other parts of the world as well. And that, that instrument of securing um, employment 
is one that currently still has um, a big amount of, of people uh, in employment. So that indicator is one to watch because indeed once um, the economic uh, crisis hits and once uh, after the summer, uh, businesses will just have to adjust or hopefully not even close down. That's when we will start to see the real effect on those employment or unemployment figures. I think that's right. And even if you look at the UK figures from last week, there's a really clear trend there. As you can see in the official figures to the end of May, a very significant fall, a record fall in the number of hours worked, but unemployment and employment staying at roughly the same level. Um, we know that unemployment's rising now in, in the UK, but there's a really big question here about uh, mobility in the labour market and the, the role of uh, recruitment and staffing firms, because uh, certainly if you take the kind of the the policy that's been put in place uh, in the United Kingdom, the furlough scheme, there are other ways to approach this. You mentioned uh, short-time working between, which is very popular in uh, countries like Germany as a way of mitigating uh, the challenges of a recession. Um, we've got, we've, there are a couple of factors here. One is uh, many firms are now carrying with them a group of workers who they are supporting through the crisis and about whom they're going to have to make decisions as to whether people come back, whether they retrain in the company or whether they are let go. Um, the same is true, though, on the other side, which is we are seeing um, you know, a lot of, kind of the genesis of new companies, which always happens during a recession, and the beginnings of people looking for uh, for new opportunities. So it, it's almost, uh, there's a second curve we need to flatten here, which is an unemployment curve where we help people find who who do come out of the, the companies you described, Bettina, we help them find new places of work in growing sectors. I think particularly because we know this is a very sectoral recession. As you said, it's, it, it's hitting consumer um, uh, consumer-focused businesses hardest. In some ways, that makes it um, uh, a, a a more even spread than maybe we've seen in recessions in the uh, great financial crisis, which particularly hit, hit the financial services sector, or in the 80s and 70s, which particularly hit the manufacturing sector, because these jobs are spread more evenly across economies but I, I think it probably does mean that there's a bigger shift in shift between sectors in where people will find work going forward and I suppose on that John um, it, looking across Europe is that do you see any differentiation in the data that SI are looking at uh, according to which sectors are being hit harder versus less hard in, in the current situation? Yeah, absolutely. As, as you say, it, it does vary by sector, um, but it varies within sector as well. So obviously blue collar is not necessarily the best place to be at the moment, but if you're a blue collar staffing company and all your customers are supermarkets, you're probably doing quite well. So um, information technology is not doing too badly. Um, even if it's not growing, it's not it's not uh, reducing by the same extent as other sectors. 
healthcare um, is doing well in those um, parts of healthcare that are related to uh, the crisis. Um, but actually, of course, elective surgeries are, are fewer, so other parts of healthcare can be bad. Um, uh, life sciences is actually doing quite well as well. So those are the, the best places to be. Um, I mean, and obviously there's huge variation by, by country as well. I mean, what we saw, I think, having the worst impact is probably France and Belgium in, in Europe. Um, and in fact, we've got the benefit of um, Manpower has just published its Q2 numbers uh, just before uh, we started this podcast. And um, you, know, you can see that they're down 48% um, in terms of revenue in France. In Belgium, they're down 37% uh, compared to the UK where they're down 22%. Um, so the company overall is um, uh, 28% uh, lower in terms of constant currency. And it's down 32% in terms of gross profit. And they actually made an operating loss for Q2 of 50 million. So it's clearly quite um, a serious hit on Manpower's business. So would expect the other big staffing companies to take a similar sort of hit. That the positive news from what they were saying was that Q3 um, is a little less worse, so it may not be may not be better um, to a large extent, but it's certainly not as bad as Q2. Um, and sorry, just one other thing I wanted to pick on pick up on. Now you mentioned about new companies starting during this crisis. Um, one sort of interesting historical point is uh, there was a company founded in 1957 in Switzerland because of the Asian flu epidemic, um, and that was Adia. So the reason that that business was founded was because there was a shortage of secretarial staff. And even and even better than that, Alfred Marks, the old UK brand, which is effectively a deco today, that was founded in 1919 because of uh, Spanish flu. There were no waiting catering staff in, uh, in London because of uh, Spanish flu. So if you want a positive message out of this, uh, you can get some uh, uh, new successful businesses launching at the height of the crisis. I'd say that, that's an interesting insight, uh, John. I mean, we always talk about kind of uh, creation take, uh, of, of new economic models and new businesses taking place at a time like that. But that, that's really interesting in terms of tying into previous experiences of, uh, uh, of uh, pandemics. Just thinking, uh, Bettina, about what we were hearing from John, really interesting, I think, for me to to appreciate the difference in performance between European countries that we're seeing. Uh, it's certainly the case, uh, talking to REC members, that I think we have seen a gentle bounce back in performance over the last few uh, few months. Um, we'd expect, given, you know, John said the risk of a W-shaped uh, recession is still, is still there. We don't actually expect, uh, under normal circumstances, temp revenues... Uh, in the UK, certainly to bounce back quite a lot because because of the drive uh, employers lacking in confidence might have to um, might have to go for temp to perm rather than straight to perm. Although some of our members are seeing, particularly in demand set, high demand sectors like IT, a big push on perm because they know that those skills are in short supply. What are you seeing uh, from where you sit in terms of that? sectoral and national mix 
Yeah, such a good question, Neil. And and you're right. And I mean, um, we have to look back at at history and and take the learnings from that. That is clear. And so, the 2008-2009 crisis um, is telling us a few things. And and you're right that from that perspective, um, you would think that um, the the need for uh, you know well regulated, flexible. Um, forms of work is is going to increase. Now, with that said, um, I must say this crisis is so different to everything else we've seen um, that I'm afraid we can't just linearly take one-on-one those learnings from the past. Um, Interestingly, though, the the one piece that we see already now um, is here to stay and will increase is that need for, for flexibility. Uh, on on everybody's side. Um, You know, there's been a a number of surveys carried out and actually notably one by by the ADECO group on uh, um, Reset Normal. And what we've seen there is that this piece specifically um, is here to stay, obviously from the perspective of all the implications linked to um, um, uh, remote working. Um, but also in general, when it comes to um, the way uh, people uh, look to work and, and diverse forms of work. One of the things that I, I've seen a lot of, Bettina, in this uh, period is people thinking about how we mix that flexibility that you've just been talking to as being really important to where we're going with a sense of uh, security. Uh, certainly here in the UK, the government found it quite easy to realign the um, uh, the the uh, system to support people who were paying taxes and employees on the pay-as-you-earn system. It took them a little longer to find out how to work to support self-employed uh, people. So maybe the big change, probably for the first time since the, the 20s and 30s in the last century, is looking at how we you know, work and social support change together i mean most obviously here in the uk everybody is asking questions about well how do we open up schools and childcare to allow people to go back to work that whole theme of social innovation has been a big uh part of the wec's work in europe and uh, and globally do you see a role for re- uh, recruitment and staffing firms generally in kind of helping to square that circle between support skills and the necessary flexibility that uh, we know economies are going to need absolutely neil and that is such an important topic you're bringing up because what we've seen in labor markets in in recent years is um that this flexibility and security piece uh, do go hand in hand but uh, governments didn't quite know how to um, bring that across their their labor market frameworks. And actually, it's been interesting because it needed the crisis for governments to put emergency support measures for all forms of work into place. Um, I mean, still more should have and, and could have been done, but what seemed absolutely impossible before was made possible now. Um, and it was mentioned before, one of the key questions now is to make sure 
uh, in a way that we keep the good elements and those have to do with the good side of flexibility and the good side of security, both from the perspective of, of employers, of businesses, and of course of, of, of employees. And in all of that, there is one sector that has really over the years uh, not only built an expertise, but that has, you know, built its entire uh, business model on well-regulated flexibility and security. And those are um, private employment services companies. So um, the, the, the key of um, World Employment Confederation um, members or, or the role of World Employment Confederation members um, is absolutely key now because uh, we have this experience. We know we have come from a history where there's been, um, you know, a need to to consolidate our services and to to um, uh, work on that value proposition that we bring again to employers and to employees. So we know how to do this and. Um, we are one of the partners that now needs to sit at the table, that needs to be involved um, as across Europe and across the world we're looking to build uh, that new labour market framework. I think that sits very neatly alongside, I think, our agenda uh, as the REC here in the UK, which is... In, in so many ways, recruiters are, are, are the job specialists. We were delighted to get the package announced two weeks ago by uh, the Chancellor of the Exchequer here in terms of uh, putting some money into co-working by uh, the government uh, using uh, recruitment and staffing firm specialisms to help support people who are maybe looking at changing career or, uh, or looking for a job for the first time in five or 10 or even 15 years. Um, and, and that kind of specialism and understanding, uh, we hope, is going to be at the heart of how we now think about what happens next in our, uh, in our uh, labour market. Uh, John, what, um, uh, uh, what sort of things do, we, do you think we've learned through this as an industry and looking at the jobs market that maybe we need to either accept or in, encourage to stick around once we begin to normalise. Yeah, well, just adding to what you said before, I mean, I do think, of course, we all complain about our own governments and how they could have done better, but I do think you probably need to commend governments in Europe because they have done so much more compared to previous crises in terms of not just protecting industry, but protecting workers as well. And that is in contrast to other countries such as the US where... So they've certainly invested in protecting business, but uh, much less so in terms of workers. I mean, going forward, um, yeah, I would also echo what, what you've um, suggested before, that the industry has a bright future. You can't imagine that we'll come out of this crisis uh, with employers having less concern for the cost of labour. So um, they've got to be more interested in um, how they get work done and using different sorts of workers. And I think it's interesting in thinking about that because I do think that there will be growth in temporary staffing but the other thing that we've picked up during this trend is there is an element of contingent work which has grown very very successfully during the whole crisis and that's freelance workers so the workers going through um, freelance platforms like Upwork or freelancer.com 
obviously that's remote work. Um, it took a little hit when the crisis first happened, but those businesses are now actually um, growing much faster. So while I think temporary staffing will um, grow when we come out of this crisis, I do think people have actually seen there are other alternatives as well. So there is a bit of a challenge for the industry there. I think that's a good point, John. And um, I think everyone I talked to in the REC membership on that is absolutely up for kind of a pluralist approach to, to how staffing happens. But I think particularly in some of our experiences in the NHS supply chain over the uh, the course of the crisis, what's important is, of course, that the um, that the, le- the playing field is level and fair. Um, and I think there is a big debate coming about, well, what's a freelancer platform and what's an employment agency? Um, and getting those rules clear, I think, is a big job for both, you know, both people who are working uh, with uh, employment agencies and uh, those who are working uh, through some of the some of the platforms. Uh, and should be almost approached in a secular way, which is that we're we're looking at what the right standards are to maximise flexibility and uh, and uh, security for for people who are working, however they're approaching it. But you're right; they, there will be a range of um, innovative business models growing over the next uh, few years, accelerated but not invented by. Uh, the current crisis, and I think there is a certain pressure on us as a as a sector in terms of how we adapt to that. Would you uh, Would you agree with that, Bettina? Well, absolutely, and and rightly so, because we are the specialists. And um, um, the positive here is um, this agenda you've just mentioned of um, level playing field and of you know uh, making the very strong and precise call to governments to cater for diverse forms of work, as we say, so to allow um, many types of contractual forms of work um, that, that um, you know, cater for both flexibility and security. So that call, uh, the sector has been making for a number of years, and it's been making it in all the right places. So um, in in bodies such as um, the OECD or at the level of the G20, B20, or of course also in in, uh, exchanges with uh, the International Labour Organization and and other stakeholders of of that like. And so um, in a way, um, what we've seen actually in the crisis is that um, those stakeholders have realized that with the expertise we have and with the work that uh, we have been doing um, all these years previously, um, we have um, an incredible bouquet of of knowledge. And you mentioned it of of great uh, examples of um, practices that work um, in, in many countries around the world. Uh, and again, it's it's all about uh, security for workers, and there's different ways of of providing that. I mean, one example for for instance are so-called um, bipartite social funds, where you actually, together with your uh, social partner in the sector, um, establish a funding mechanism uh, that will uh, make sure that agency workers 
uh, in your country or in certain specific sectors have access to uh, to monies. And if we uh, look at Italy, for example, well, that fund was absolutely crucial. Agency workers were of the few that received uh, benefits um, at the very early stages of the crisis. So these are examples um, that may not be able to be copied one-on-one. -on -one. And again, one has to look, for instance, at the, um, at the fabric of a country, you know, are the social partners uh, organized in a way where that is possible? But, you know, there's, there's other uh, ways of doing it. Um, it's almost about dealing with pride. It's about um, looking at, at the success stories and, and, and uh, taking those to other places that need it. I think that makes a, a lot of sense to me. And we had a recent episode of the pod, episode 27, if people want to check it out, with Matthew Taylor, who's the UK's Director of Labour Market Enforcement. And I think he was very keen on the idea that we need to find ways to ensure that we have flexibility, but that we do that in a way that uh, achieves all of the goals that people want for work and for our economy. And that does require a level of discourse between bodies like the REC but also trade unions and government and and one of the lessons of the early stage of the lockdown and kind of the formation of the furlough scheme and things like the uh, the Seabills loan scheme here in the UK uh, was that that happened in a really robust way that the government fell back on business organizations and trade unions uh, in fact uh, you know, Chancellor specifically called both groups out in, when he was announcing the furlough scheme. Um, I think one of the jobs for us at the REC, working with federations from other sectors, is just to keep hold of that. Because, you know, I mentioned earlier the immigration system. Uh, it's fair to say that working through the, the, the work permit system in the UK has increasingly become a dystopian mess over the last five or ten years and it's because actually there's no real practicality in how people approach it and that's what businesses and unions can bring to these things so I do think that that level of dialogue and representation and pride in us in our sector is important to building back through this especially as we're starting to see um, the economies across Europe bounce back. John um, just as we close um, any kind of final thoughts about the state of the uh, the industry in Europe at the moment and maybe uh, just end by uh, letting people know where they can find out more about SIA? Yeah, sure. Um, well, I mean, maybe one thing I wanted to get across was um, one thing that we, we do believe quite strongly is that all of the important trends that we had identified going into this crisis have been accelerated during the crisis and I think will become increasingly important. So, you know, the simple fact that we saw before the crisis that um, staffing firms were closing offices. They were, they were operating through smaller office networks. That was a trend before crisis and it's certainly going to be trend, a trend afterwards. Of course, it goes to say that remote working, there's going to be more remote working. Um, the automation trend that we saw um, there was some really interesting research published by McKinsey last week, and they talked about the fact that there's a big overlap in the sorts of jobs that were at threat through automation and the jobs that are at threat because of COVID. So, you know, those categories of jobs, and a lot of them are in wholesale and retail, 
and manufacturing, if we thought they were going to be replaced by automation six months ago, well, even even doubly so um, uh, after the crisis. Um, and things like um, companies uh, adopting total talent management programs, as I said, you've got to believe that employers are going to be more concerned about the cost of labour. They've got to be more concerned about how they get work done. Um, and at the moment, most large companies make a complete mess of that because they, you know, they're not really sure whether or not they need uh, a permanent worker, a temporary worker, a freelance worker, a consultant, whether to outsource it, uh, whether to offshore it. And there's not much joined up thinking uh, by companies because there's a lot of silos operating among large employers. Um, so I think that's another trend that will be important. And, and it's going to be a trend that staffing firms can capitalise and uh, ADECO is a prime example of that because ADECO is investing in all those different sorts of services so that it can help clients address um, it, its needs no matter what sort of work it, it needs getting done. And um, yeah, and thank you for the uh, opportunity to give a plug to SIA. We're, uh, if you want more information on our company, then please go to uh, www.staffingindustry.com. Um, like the REC, we, we will be um, putting on a, an event, a, a European-based event um, at the end of this uh, year, um, the 2nd and 3rd of December. At the moment, that's still to be, uh, supposed to be an in-person event, but uh, I think it's highly likely to be transitioned to a, to a virtual event. So those of you that want to learn more about the European staffing market, then uh, please uh, take advantage of that and you can find information on our website. Thanks, John. And I think that that sense of uh, companies being very cagey about their um, about their employment costs runs alongside an increased level of government interest in how people work coming out of the back of this, which goes right to the heart of what we were discussing uh, between between just a moment ago about how you uh, find the right balance between um, uh, between those two factors and and the role we can play. Uh, Bettina, just as we close, um, where can people find a bit more uh, a bit more about the World Employment Confederation? Well, thank you very much um, for that. On, on the World Employment Confederation, do visit um, the website wec.org, but also subscribe to all the wonderful social media channels, be it on LinkedIn or on Twitter or um, of course, on uh, Instagram and Facebook. But actually, Neil, if, if I may, I wanted to um, just take the opportunity to also um, um, maybe add one or two dimensions that we actually um, didn't touch on today and, and which brings us back to um, um, the role that, that we can and we have to play because, um, uh, I mean, one of them is, is the element of, uh, of health and safety, which is going to be the key, um, the key, the, the absolute key point to uh, to crack and and obviously we all need to address if we want any recovery to happen. Um, and there I'd like to point out um, an alliance on uh, safely back to work that um, was uh, triggered by uh, three um, companies in the private employment services uh, sector by uh, Randstad, uh, Manpower Group and the ADECO Group. Um, and it's an initiative that um, is now sitting um, within World Employment Confederation, um, focusing really on that aspect, making sure that those people 
um, who are going back, and it's really in, in a way going back to the workplace, right? Because we have all been working, many of us have been working, uh, so it's less going back to work, but going back to the workplace, um, that they encounter those um, health and safety uh, measures and conditions uh, that they should. And so um, the uh, Alliance is currently operating across uh, 25 uh, countries um, in many sectors. And I'd like to really just make the point here that um, um, our sector, uh, obviously we've mentioned flexibility, we've mentioned security, but health and safety um, is, is at the core uh, of it all. And while, you know, I have the microphone, I'd like to um, end off with um, um, one element the crisis is showing is how important uh, that, that human side is the human centric um, um, perspective on on things um, more than ever um, we need in the world of work to uh, put um, the human uh, at at the core of of decisions and 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 businesses have known that and of course there is the cost question um, but what we expect now coming out of the crisis is um is um, the, the the quantity you know the the how to how to um, create uh, workforces um, that that are also resilient and that that are able to deal with this uh, new world of work that is just as important and so again there partners uh, are needed and um, and it's um, it's important to find the right uh, the right mix and the same applies. Uh, to governments. Um, uh, we have seen, if we look at uh, some of the recovery plans coming out, that it's all about building this, um, this uh, world of work where sustainability is key, where uh, values are key, um, the whole conversation around the ESGs. Um, and again, there, this is something where we as a sector are um, perfectly placed uh, to support um, on the government side. Thank you. Thanks, Katina. I think that's a really good place to, to round things off for today. That sense of a lot of change coming and the platform that we have as an industry to, to influence that change, but also the the fact that much of this, as John's pointed out, is change that we knew was coming and has been accelerated and amplified by the process of the, uh, uh, of the last few months. Thank you both for joining us this afternoon and thank you to all of our listeners. If you've enjoyed this episode of the podcast, why not uh, try one or two others of our recent uh, uh, episodes on the menu? Episode 29 with... Uh, Mike Barnard and uh, uh, of UK uh, IC, ICS and uh, Frank from Staffline. Uh, really good talking to a couple of chief execs from the industry about how they've navigated through this period. This period, or uh, perhaps try episode twenty-eight, uh, talking about minimum wage policy in the UK, coming as we come out of the uh, lockdown and into the recovery. But thank you for joining us and join us again on another episode of the REC podcast. Thank you for listening. We hope you found this episode helpful. Head to our COVID-19 hub on www.rec.uk.com forward slash COVID-19 for the latest guidance on managing your business during these unprecedented times.